Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Wow, do I have a great show ahead of you. Father Skip is going to tell us about his conversion. Yes, a Catholic priest. Let me just give you a teaser. The man was baptized a Catholic in the 1960s, grew up in the uh, you know crazy times, left the Catholic faith, and then a Protestant evangelized him. And uh, wow, wait till you see how, his, how he came back to his Catholic faith and then became a Catholic priest. It's an amazing story. So I want you to hear that on the second, third, and fourth segments. Uh, good to news file is that Bishop Strickland is, um, we have a t-shirt for him now. Uh, it says, I support Bishop Strickland. Just go to our website, vmpr.org, and you can get a copy of his shirt. Wear it. Speak for the truth of the church's teachings. I think it would be a good idea. And uh, like I said, you can order it even calling on 877-526-2151. Let's, uh, let's get some soul food in our souls first from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 38 to 42. What's the theme? Here it is. At the judgment, the queen of the south will arise with this generation and condemn it. Uh, boy, wait to hear this because this sounds like our generation. Some of the scribes and Pharisees said to Jesus, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. He said to them in reply, An evil and unfaithful generation seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. At the judgment of the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and there is something greater than Jonah here. At the judgment... The queen of the south will arise with this generation and condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And there is something greater than Solomon here. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This gospel, when it said that uh, at, the t at the time of the judgment, uh, men of Nineveh will rise and a generation and then condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Well, are we repented because of the preaching of Jesus and the gospel? See, the challenge today is that word repent and believe in the gospel isn't being preached. Let's be honest. It's a, it's a message that says, just, you know, you're okay and I'm okay. Come on in. God's not going to, uh, you know, ask you to repent. You can still be an active homosexual, and we welcome you into the church. <coughs> That's not the Catholic Church's teaching. And I say that as a layman. And I think we need to know that it's important that the path into the church is not acceptance. It's conversion. So I think this gospel preaches that. You know, repent and believe and, you know, this is Old Testament read, that you're talking about Je uh, Jonah and the whale. But it applies to us that we're all called to repentance. I just came out of church just now to go to confession with the priest I had 
Come go to lunch, Father Skip. Yeah, the one you're just going to hear right now. Uh, why? Because I'm a sinner. And I think what's happened is that we have too many people who think of universal salvation. I mentioned, oh gosh, with the Bishop Strickland hour, we did eight modern errors every Catholic should know and avoid. We're closing in on 50,000 people watching it on YouTube. Because there are many errors in our time. And they're masquerade as wisdom and balance. You know, like, oh, just uh, take people the way they are. Don't try and change them. See, that's an error. Errors of our time are more philosophical in nature. They don't realize it. And that list that we went through on errors is the one that says mercy without reference to repentance. You know, far too many today say mercy has to come to mean, oh, God is fine with me and what I am doing. But true mercy does not overlook sin. That's a very important fact today in our church. It doesn't overlook sin. Why? Because sin is what separates us from God. It it presupposes it sees it as a serious problem and he offers a way out of sin. How? God's mercy in his way of extending a hand to draw us out of the mire of sin. It's called repentance. It's called confession. So this is why repentance is the key that unlocks mercy. For it is by repentance that we reach for the grasp of God's merciful and outreaching hand. See, this is something that needs to be preached more. Not this acceptance the way you are. Come on in the church. We'll lower the bar for you. You fornicators, you adulterers, don't worry about that. God's merciful. He'll let you in. That's a lie. I'm sorry, I have to say it that way, but that's how much I love you to tell you the truth. So one of the chief errors of today is proclamation of mercy without reference to repentance. And that goes right from the top of the church right now. Documents coming out of the Holy See. The, the Senate, Senate uh, that's coming up in October, October 4th. Where is the word repentance? It's not there. Why don't we have a biblical view rather than a psychological view? So the opening words of Jesus Christ's ministry were what? Repent and believe in the gospel. The order is important. For how can we experience the good news of God's mercy if we do not first repent. Well, that's a great point he's making, and I think, you know, that's something we have to really chew on because if we don't repent, there's no salvation. And remember, the Bible says few will be saved. And it's funny because in our modern times, they say everybody's going to be saved. We call that universal salvation. And that is an error. Universal salvation says, no matter what, you're going to be saved. So just, you know, be who you are. And don't worry about, you know, uh, being, you know, worried about your, your salvation. But we have, uh, we have many gospel verses like Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, and Luke chapter 13, 23 to 30. Dozens of parables and other warnings also come from our Lord in this regard. With a straightforward teaching of our Lord makes it clear that we must be sober 
and accept that many and not a few are going to be lost unless by God's grace urgently come on them to Christ and to authentic discipleship. This is incredibly important. Given this idea of everybody being saved, there's a very much an urgency among Catholics to be evangelized or even to live their faith. This attitude has got to go, and we have to be serious about reforming the church in a biblical worldview of repentance. Because for 50, 60 years, many people in the church leave that out. I'll give you an example. The Amazon Senate, remember that, where a priest was bragging. How do you brag about not baptizing anyone in 35 years, and you're a missionary? I'd be embarrassed to say that. But you see, the emphasis has not been on salvation. It's been in this world. And remember, the Bible said it clear. We should fear what? What people can do to our body or to our soul? No. Fear one who can condemn you in your soul. Don't fear any guy that can kill you because once he, that's all he can do. He can't stop you from going to heaven. And this is uh, incredibly important. The last thing I want to make is equating love and kindness. Kindness is an ex aspect of love, but it is to rebuke. So is punishment, as is praise. Yet today, many in the church think of love as only kindness, affirmation, approval, encouragement, and other positive attributes. But true love is at times would be willing to punish and insist on change and rebuke error. We have to rebuke error. Yet this modern age is equating love with mere kindness. Saying, if you really love me, you would affirm the way I live and even celebrate my homosexuality. No! I can't do that. That's not love. And this is important for all of us, especially as parents, when we see our children living lives that are away from the gospel. And remember, I always say this about Our Lady of Fatima. She said it at Fatima. Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. This is why we need to be praying to make sacrifices for our brothers and sisters that are away from the church. Now, we're going to come back from a break, and I'm going to introduce you to Father Skip. He is an amazing priest, and what's amazing about it is he left the Catholic Church many, many decades ago when he was a young man. Because he didn't understand the faith. You know anybody like that? Any brothers, sons, fathers, daughters? Absolutely. They left the church because they didn't know the faith. And what I'm going to have you sh be shared is with Father Skip is his walk back into the church. Not only into the church, but into the priesthood. Stay with us here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Skip will tell his story. I like to say I'm too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, I'd be a billionaire. This is an inspirational story of one man coming back home to the Holy Mother of the Church. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. We're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. My new friend, Father Skip Thompson, is here to tell us his story 
of how he came in back to the Catholic Church. We call these guys reverts. And not only yeah. back to the Catholic Church, Father, yeah. you ended up becoming a Catholic priest, which you didn't expect to have happen. So welcome uh, yeah. to our show, Father. Great to be with you, Terry. It's a privilege and an honor. Oh, and we met at Dodger Stadium. We did. You were there yeah. for our prayer vigil of reparation with Bishop Strickland. And right. that's where we met. We said, yeah, let's talk about the Catholic faith. So, Father Skip, yeah. you've got an amazing story. Folks can go to to the Marcus Grodi's, um Coming Home Network. You were on their show years ago. Yeah. Uh, people can pick up that by just going on YouTube and typing your name, Father Skip Thompson. Father, um, for those who don't know you, can you just kind of give us the 30,000 square foot um, level of you? You were, I mean, you're of age as a a baby boomer. Right. You you didn't really um, know the faith as a youngster, you were telling me. And then you talked about uh, becoming a a Protestant because they they evangelized you with the gospel. Yeah. I I was like so many in my age. didn't know what was going on. Mass was all in Latin. Nothing yeah. against that. But when you're, you know, 10 years old, you don't have no clue. Nope. Um, I finished uh, catechism and confirmed, which I thought meant, oh, I'm graduated from God. Sure. And so off I went to engage life, big bowl of cherries. Um, but uh, in junior college, I encountered the four spiritual laws from, you know, Bill Bright's Campus Crusade for Christ. And I, I heard the gospel kind of laid out for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Mankind has sinned and fallen away. Jesus comes. He loves us. He forgives us. We need to turn to him, repent, and uh, accept him as Lord and Savior. And I went, wow, that sounds good. Sign me up. Sign me up. It's like, I, I think, and I think I mentioned to you earlier, yeah. I think the grace of my sacraments sort oh, yeah. of like kept the heart open. And so here I am. Uh, but I started in, Catholic, in a Protestant traditions through college and early uh, life. Uh, married outside the church, have three children, one in heaven, two here in California. Mm-hmm. Um, a tragic marriage. I ended up, uh, my wife and I separated, divorced. Um, and for 18 years, uh, I kind of lived a, more or less a uh, life of agnosticism and just kind of a hedonist. My work was in politics. Yes. Um, I can quote the legislation, by the way, that you're referencing that our, uh, you know, the transgender ag- yeah. uh, agenda is, tr- is literally trying to steal our children yes. from us. At any rate, um, I worked in the Capitol, uh, kind of the fast lane. Um, and when uh, we lost our, our son, Michael, um, I just, you know, my orbit, I was knocked out of the Christian of orbit course. at that point. I said, where's God when I needed him most? Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I kept busy with that and uh, eventually hit a wall in 2002. And I, I, my dad, who'd kind of been a hero to me, a World War II combat vet. Of course, a um, hero. He and, is a and, hero. And a teacher. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, a school superintendent. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, uh, he uh, he passed. I lost him. He was, he'd kind of become my mentor. Sure. Uh, lovely man. And then... Uh, I broke my arm. I was a fitness buff. Uh, I was a national finalist in a fitness corp- competition. <laughs> so, so you were buffed, as the young people at, would say, huh? At age 50, I was yeah. cut. As they yeah, they cut. That's what they I said. I was cut. Anyway, uh, that was good, but then I broke my arm. Yeah. All that strength atrophied. Yeah. I was in a cast for you know months. And then um, uh, lost the job. Lost oh, boy. I paid political job. So anyway, uh, I went, okay, God, are you there? Do you care? Mm-hmm. Can we make a deal? Yeah. Can we, can we, can we count, you know, help, you know? So I'm kind of a prodigal son, come back 
to the Father. And the Lord, of course, very gently uh, started ministering. And I started going back to a, a Protestant church, a Baptist church up in Folsom, California. Mm-hmm. They're near the Sacramento area. Sure. And uh, very Catholic-friendly, I might add. And uh, I never had any anti-Catholic animus going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just didn't think I was getting the full you know, meal deal as far as the gospel is concerned. Sure. Um, but having said that, uh, I began to go to retreats uh, at a Roman Rome Catholic monastery on the Big Sur coast. Oh, yeah. And quiet time with God, yeah. with my scriptures, um, my journal, uh, long walks, silence, solitude. And every six months I'd go back. And wow. so finally I made my way back into the Catholic Church in 2006. But prior to that, I was studying so much. Uh, I was encouraged to uh, begin Bethel Seminary, which is a Baptist seminary, St. Paul, Minnesota. So I did online work and I'd go back periodically mm-hmm. for uh, intensives. And I started to determine what's my denomination. Mm-hmm. And I thought of the Catholic Church as just the oldest yeah. denomination. So, um, but I was resisting that. But I had taken my mom as a single guy i have three brothers they got families Mm -hmm. but i had the time and every fall when the legislature broke i'd take mom for you know a trip you know in the fall and she didn't like to drive but she liked to explore anyway this one time we decided go to italy mom had never been to europe and uh let's go and so we went to uh venice and assisi and to rome and i saw the catholic church in all of its ancient historical glory and beauty and grandeur and liturgy and i'm thinking Maybe this is my denomination. Maybe this is where I need to be. And I remember in St. Paul's Outside the Walls, I had kind of a premonition that my, uh, my, my search for denomination was going to end up in the Catholic Church and I would be a Catholic priest. And that, had, that was a shocker. I, I just said, what in the world? <laughs> uh, I journaled that, 2005. Yeah. I stopped going to the, the Baptist seminary Came back to the church. My mom was alive to see that. Uh, she, the next year, diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. I moved to Oregon to take care of her till she died. God bless but you. She saw me back in the church. Wow, that's a blessing. It was a blessing for her and for me. Yeah, and, big time. And then the priests around there said, Skip, you should be a priest. You're, you've been single for a long time. I'd gone to the uh, chancery. Here's my, you know, my forms. I was yeah. uh, given the certificate of freedom, you know, an yeah, type of sure. thing. I wasn't married in the church. And I know the priest who gave me the paperwork says, here, now you can be a Catholic priest. Wow. And I went, wait a minute. No, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy fast. Yeah. And so, um, but it resonated. Yeah. And I remembered my experience in 2005 in St. Paul's Outside the Walls. And I went, hmm. This is incredible. So then I said, okay, I'm going to explore this. And if you go to... You know, YouTube, Journey Home, yeah. Father Skip, you'll get yeah. a lot more of it. I, I know you need a, a, sure. a brief version. Um, but I gave it all to Marcus. Uh, but there there was signal graces mm-hmm. that came to me that was, um, you couldn't make this stuff up. Yeah. That was just leading me. And so uh, when I was ordained a priest in 2015 at the Carmel Mission um, by uh, uh, Bishop Garcia of Happy Memory, I had... And that was 2015. I had my 2005 journal entry <laughs> from St. Paul's Outside the Walls in 2005. Sure. Ten years later, that premonition of becoming a Catholic priest was reality on my ordination. Incredible. Program. So there you had 10 years. You know, it was quick. 
I yeah. mean, as far as formation goes, back to back to the you know got the premonition in two thousand five. Yes, mom's got cancer in two thousand six. Move up, take care of her. She dies in 07, Discerning in 08, 09, I start the seminary. Twenty fifteen, six years later, I'm a priest. Amazing. And now Tim Staples, who who worked for me for many years, who was right. over at Catholic Answers, had a influence on that decision, correct? Yeah, at the very beginning of my discernment, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why I got in touch with Coming Home Network, sure. was to find out, you know, hey, can you help me out with some stuff here? Um, but I acquired Tim's, uh, he had a 10 CD set on apologetics. Oh, of course. You know. Uh, Eucharist, uh, yeah. Papal Authority, sure. uh, you know, Community of the Saints, Mary, yeah. mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I wore that set. <laughs> and they sent me a new set. That's great. I told my seminary, I still rely on this. Well, I saw Tim, uh, at, at, and I was in Connecticut at Holy Apostles College and Seminary. Right. And I saw him at the, at the Connecticut Men's Conference. I was a speaker. He was a speaker. And I said, I know you, and you don't know me, but I want to tell you <laughs> <laughs> that your stuff... Yep. was so instrumental in my That's returning great. to the church, yep. and now I'm a priest. That's awesome. Because I blame you for this. Sure. You know? <laughs> so well, that's it, it, amazing. Yeah, that was great stuff. And, yeah. and Father, yeah. well, now that you are a Catholic priest and good standing, you're in the, in the Oxnard, what you call the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Right. You're doing some retreats. Uh, you work on getting people to know about, have a better love and understanding for the Holy Eucharist. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that fact that you have such a great love to share with people on the Eucharist, please. Yes, it was the Eucharist that uh, just so resonated with mm-hmm. me. And I might add, a lot of my Protestant friends found the Catholic doctrine of Christ's real presence yes. to be absolutely tantalizing. I bet. The idea that you could actually receive Christ through this sacrament Yes. It would sing to many of them, and myself included. And so um, as I considered my return to the Catholic Church, that was front and center. Yeah, That is like, well, as we say, you know, it's the source and summit of our Christian That's right. life. That's right. Um, and it is Christ really present. And he's, you know, you, John 6, you know it. Of unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And so this is for real. Yeah. And in... The work that I've done on this over the years started way before the USCCB said we need a, a revival of our understanding <laughs> of the Eucharist. I already had some stuff in the can. I like three conferences on how Jesus taught his real presence, how he set it up, how he set up yeah. John 6, Bread of Life Discourse, sure. and then how he, after his death and resurrection, how he continued to emphasize this with... Um, References to the Emmaus Road. We know mm-hmm. that experience. Christ is made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Sure. That's when they recognized him. In the restoration of Peter, um, you know, why did he go to Galilee to reveal himself to the apostles after he'd rose from the dead? He showed to, showed up in the upper room, mm-hmm. but he says, go to Galilee and meet me. It's I can explain it in the talk, but the, the thing is he restores Peter. Peter needs some work. He, right. he kind of screwed up a little bit. But remember when he said, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me, countering these three denials, mm-hmm. three affirmations of love. And what does he say to Peter? Feed my lambs, feed exactly. my sheep. And all of a sudden he's no longer, well, he's still a fisher of men, but now he's going to feed them. Right. With what? Eucharist. Amen. And it's the, uh, if, you, if you actually go to Israel and you see the site, it's called the site of the restoration, you look up the hill, there's the site of the multiplication 
That's right there. Got it. You go down the beach, you've got Capernaum where the Bread of Life Discourse was. Mm-hmm. You're right on the Sea of Galilee where he walked on water. Wow. It was the miracle between the, the multiplication and the Bread of Life Discourse overnight where he communicated to his boys by walking on water, I'm the master of matter. Yes. See this? Watch yes. this, guys. I can't. You don't know what transubstantiation means, right. but you know what I can do. Watch this. So he sets this up. But then afterward, uh, the re- so Peter gets it. Peter gets it. And then the other thing that a lot of people missed, and I had for a decade, I'd read John 6. And remember when all the apostles, check, all the disciples, they weren't apostles yet. When all the disciples heard this, you must eat my body, drink my blood, they were scandalized. Hold your thought right there, Father. This is incredible. (laughs) And, you know, this is the source and summit of the Christian life. I want you to finish that and then talk about the early fathers of the church when you realized that early Christianity believed in the real presence of Christ because I think that's a game changer for people who come back to the church. This is Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Our good friend, Father Skip Thompson, is talking about his walk back into the Catholic Church. We call them reverts. Right. And not only that, he becomes a Catholic priest. Well, what do you know? What do you know? And you're sharing with us cool. some of your study regarding the Holy Eucharist yes. and what we yes. call the real presence of Christ yes. in the Eucharist. Let's continue with that teaching. Sure, sure, sure. Here is one of those great post-resurrection exclamation points. Mm-hmm. Where Jesus said, look, this is, I mean what I'm saying, yes. guys. yes. If you recall in John 6, he gives them this amazing command, eat my body, drink my blood. Mm -hmm. And people are going, this is a hard saying. Who can receive it? And many of his own disciples left. Mm -hmm. And then he's got the the 12. He turns to them, basically, does this scandalize you? Uh, And you remember, I think we focus a lot on Peter's response, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words. It's lovely, beautiful affirmation of his faith. But at that point, it's sort of kind of like blind faith. It's like, we really don't get this. He'll explain it at the Last Supper. This is my body. This is my blood. Our Eucharistic uh, consecration prayer as a priest. But here's the thing that I'd missed until very recently. Mm -hmm. And it just struck me. Because he he, he doesn't, he sets sets the guys up. Says, what, does this scandalize you? It's like, yeah, this does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then he says this, what if you're to see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Yeah. Did they know what he meant? Heck no. No. Boop, right over the head. Um, What's he talking about? They didn't even realize that he really meant what he said when he said, I'm going to rise three days after I'm crucified and and dead, uh, the resurrection. But now he's given them a a, a heads up on the ascension. They didn't think he was going to ascend. They wanted to reestablish Israel, as it says in Mm -hmm. Acts, Acts chapter 1. Well, he does. He ascends. And it's like, my goodness. He told us he was going to do this mm-hmm. when he told us to eat his body and drink his blood. But now we see what kind of body we're talking about. His is a heavenly body. It's, a, it's d- dimensionally beyond our own. And uh, so they got a, 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 a final emphasis on his teaching of the Eucharist. The last thing Jesus did on earth was reinforce that by his ascension. Like he pointed him right back to the bread of life discourse. Yeah, I really do mean what I'm saying here, guys. Sure. And so he, 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 he did what he said he'd do to prove that he meant what he said. Absolutely. <laughs> Father Skip, also yeah. the fathers of the church. I know that most Catholics never read 
yeah. what the early church taught about the Eucharist. But right. you, at one point, as you said in your conversion, you were a active Protestant Baptist. Right. And um, how did it, did when you went to do your study with Tim Staples and other resources regarding the fathers of the church and early Christianity, how did that strike you that early Christians believed it wasn't just bread, that it was actually the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ under the appearance of bread? Yeah, that's great. Well, uh, the the whole, gosh, from the first century on, you know you had the, the naysayers. Yes. Uh, you, right when Jesus told them, you had many who left, listed right. up the twelve. Later on, you see in Paul's writings in first, the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 10 and 11, mm-hmm. uh, he's making reference to, you know, you must rightly understand and receive that, you know, this is the body and blood of Christ. Yeah. And if we don't, if we're not in good standing, if we don't believe this, we're, we're are eating and drinking judgment to ourselves. We don't often hear that. Yeah. Um, but then the earliest church father reference is... Uh, St. Ignatius of Antioch, mm-hmm. his letter to the Smyrnians in 108, probably yep. he, he crucified in 108. The letter was before that. 107, my understanding. 107. So yep. he's got, you You have in that reference, um, uh, in that letter, there's the, the reference to the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about those who don't believe yep. that this is the body of Christ that suffered yep. and rose from the dead. So that gives us an insight into what we're dealing with yeah. in the actual uh, the Eucharist itself. This is the body that suffered. This is a real sacrifice. It's a representation, mm-hmm. re-sacrifice, a representation of the one sacrifice. Amen. So that's in 107. Um, Incredible. And, and then you, you can move up through the centuries, but they, the Orthodox faith is always held to this. Yes. I think that the stumbling block for a lot of people today, and it has been for many of our Protestant brothers and sisters, is that they don't see the bread change into flesh. They don't right. see the wine turn into blood. It's still under the appearances. And so they, it's like, you know, seeing is believing and not seeing is not believing. Mm-hmm. So there they are. How do you explain transubstantiation? Yeah. Well, we're dealing with, with reality. And this is the second conference I've done on this, which is, uh, you know, let's look at the sciences. Let's go far as far down into reality as we can. And you get into particle physics and quantum mechanics and that kind of stuff. But you finally get to an area where reality is kind of like waves or bundles of energy. Uh, it's 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 kind of spooky down there, but you're not dealing with little bits of matter. Right. You're dealing with energy. And I like what Dallas Willard said, the late uh, chair of philosophy at USC. I went to one of his conferences, and I'll never forget this one statement. He said, all of reality is nothing but the congealed Word of God. <laughs> I love that. When you think about the energy of, of the Word of God mm-hmm. that created all things and seems to be what it still is, because it's not a little bit, it's still this energy that's con- it continues. And as it says in Colossians, he holds all things together yes. uh, by, and by the power of his Word. So um, St. Ambrose says this on that, cannot he who created all things by his Word not change them into whatever else he wants them to be yeah. by that same word. So um, there were it's an appeal to metaphysics, but it's an appeal to the word of God, and this is why the priest acting under the authority of the church in persona Christi uses Christ's own words to That's affect right. his will to create a sacrament by his power. Yeah. And it's in those quantum bundles of energy that the word is spoken, and it changes yeah. those things. 
Father Skip, I'm loving what you're saying, and I want to get another segment after this, but I want to develop something that I think Holy Mother the Church is in great need of, and the Bishop's Conference recognizes it, and that is many Catholics have no clue regarding the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, and they want to get this Eucharistic revival going. Now, you've been spending over a decade, because I just had lunch with you, a decade of studying how do we... How do we present the Eucharist to the people that will compel them to take it serious? And I want to ask you not only that, the tie-in, as you know, uh, the sacrament of penance, uh, going to confession, Mm -hmm. is so essential that I think when people realize that are away from the church, the power of the Eucharist, that it convicts them, at least it should convict them, to realize that they need God's mercy. Because right. when they study the Eucharist, they want to be in the state of grace objectively so that they can receive it worthily, as the Bible says. Right. So I want to ask you, and this is a big question, and we only got three or four minutes on this side, but the next segment too, and that is, how do we reach out to the millions of Catholics who just aren't practicing? How do we get them back into the fold? Yeah. Well, as uh, John Paul II said, it, it, the new evangelization is new in, in uh, uh, expression and method and ardor. And so you're using through this media this amazing stuff that I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of clueless about how this all goes. <laughs> I just show up. There you go. That's what know. you got to do. But you're, this is a new method. Yeah. And I think our expressions also have to change. I think yeah. we have to um, uh, kind of boil down a lot of theological concepts to street, mm-hmm. street level. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Of, uh, you know, we, we were talking about how do you how, how do you describe the hypostatic union? Oh, yeah, Christ, we were two natures, that. you know, divine and human. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know how they're connected up, <laughs> but uh, so we need. But we need to. We need to. It's kind of like uh, you know, in my family, I am a father to my children. I'm a, br- a brother to my brothers, and I'm a son yes. to my father and mother. God bless them. They're yeah. up there listening. So I, I have these different roles that I play. I'm just still. I'm one person. But I have this these different natures, and of course this analogy is going to break down immediately. But sure. that's kind of the way we've got to be able to present this stuff. Yeah. Um, I think it also has to has to be something where we appeal to the heart. Yes, uh, the heart is what is 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 is, is uh, deformed. We're 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 uh, we're chasing after loves that are you know lower than what we're built for. Amen. You know, Saint Augustine's famous quote about the. Uh, the heart is uh, uh, is is uh, it's restless. Is a, is, a, is restless. There's a God-shaped yes, exactly. and, it's, and it's restless until it finds its rest in thee. Exactly. So we've got to present that. But yes. I think the other part of it Tell me. Um, is we got to get away from the idea of cheap grace. Hey, well said. That's you know, a- that's Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yes. I mean, that's a, Ger- a German theologian, a, mm-hmm. a martyr, if you will. In yes, he Germany. is. He wouldn't uh, go along with Hitler. Um, but I think we've we've heard we got this easy believism that's been going on. Like every, God loves you, do whatever you want. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, we're we're a mess. Yeah. God loves us so much that He died, and that's what we're going to do exactly. someday, all of us. Uh, but He died in a way that broke the power of sin, which is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's not a free ride. It costs us everything. We've got to pick up our own cross and follow Him. Uh, and I think that's the the tough stuff of the gospel, which I think to men, especially, um, 
you know, we're kind of built to struggle and yeah. fight and succeed. Um, sure. I mean, I played football and I think football is, is a wonderful rite of passage for young men these days. It's tough. It's tough. It's painful. It takes a lot of work. You're part of a team. It's there's self-sacrifice. And if you could boil down the essence of masculinity to a word, it would be sacrifice. Amen. And we're just not used to that. But yeah. something inside, when it hears that among us, I think there's something that, that's sort of sure. built into our warp and our woof. It's sort of a primal thing. It's like, yeah. Now, I'll, you know, I've got something worth living for because it's something worth dying for. Amen. So there it is. Um, so when we, I think that's part of the new gospel. If you want to talk about the new evangelization, how do we reach to those yeah. that are lost? I think we got to present the whole Catholic faith. Yes. Uh, not the, I think Bishop Barron called the Bayes Catholicism. Right. You know, right. it's just like, yeah, sort of neutral. Yeah. You know, we need to, we need to, it's got to have the full, uh, yeah, and, and all the detail. And, and Father, if yeah. I might add, this is what I've been trying to do for 43 years, yeah. is reach people with the full gospel. And the full gospel talks about uh, mercy, uh, the mercy of God, but through repentance. Believe right. in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's a biblical thing. Surrender. And we we got to go back to that, in my opinion. When we come back, let's talk about the final segment about, yes, the preaching of the good news to a world that acts like God doesn't exist. Stay with us, Sam. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Actually, Father Skip Thompson is here. Yeah. Replacing Jesse for the day. Jess is out on the road. And we've been talking about his conversion and back is a revert back to the church. Yeah. But recently we're talking about how do we evangelize the church, the people that are baptized Catholic, especially, but not practicing. And I love the line, the path into the church is not acceptance, it's conversion. And I think of right. our good Bishop Joseph Strickland, who we have on our network. He said the Catholic Church has been radically inclusive of sinners ever since Jesus Christ founded, founded her. There's nothing more radical than to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Christ yeah. died and rose so that we could share in his life. That's right. But following him begins with repentance. Mm -hmm. That's repentance. a very biblical comment, is it not? It is. And I'd like to use a, a different word for it as well to sure. expand on it, because sure. you're absolutely right. Um, another word would be surrender. Mm. In other words, we, we, we didn't make our lives. We did not will ourselves to exi into existence, nor can we uh, right. take ourselves out. I mean, yeah, we could, somebody could commit suicide. I'm not talking about that. But we don't know the hour that we depart. And there's only one person that can take us over that threshold of death into the door of eternity, and that's Jesus Christ. Father, let me jump in and say right. the spiritual writers that I've read, especially from Opus Dei, Say that exactly what you just said, the, the abandonment, self-abandonment to God. There's a great right. book called Abandonment to Divine Providence by Pierre de Cassade, a mm -hmm. Jesuit priest in the 17th century. And it's all about giving yourself over to Christ. Now, this spiritual writer says that the reason people don't do that, young people especially, not so young, is because they don't really trust that God will uh, take care of them. That's right. Is he nailing it? He's nailing it. And that's the the the, uh, 
The devil's play from the garden was you can't trust God mm-hmm. holding out on you. Right. Uh, be God. You you determine yes. good, bad, evil, uh, uh, right and wrong for yourself. Yes. Um, we call it moral relativism. My uh, truth and your truth. That's, that's, that's very prevalent in our culture that's today. That's what it ends up to be. And you can't tell anybody anything. Oh, and that's where we are. But yes, as I explained in a homily just a couple days ago, you know, two plus two is four. Doesn't yeah, last matter. time I looked. Last time I looked, and you might say it's five, and I'm am I supposed to accept that? No. If I love you, I'm going to tell you no, it is four. It right. really is. And if you don't live according to that truth, um, you're gonna get a lot of things wrong, yeah. including your banking account. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not you're not gonna drive safely because you're gonna read anyway. Um the whole point being is that we we can relativize our lives to death. And that's where we're going to go if we think we can just make up God any way we want. And our culture is thinking, oh, this Christianity thing, uh, it's got uh, it's got too many rules. It's 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 uh, it's cramping my style. Yeah, I like to have more (laughs) fun than they'll allow. It's usually along a sexual line, right? Of course. Well, I would say that those rules are tools. Yeah. Tools to bring us to life. Tools to help us navigate. Tools to draw closer to God. Tools to succeed, and as Matthew Kelly says, I like to quote him, to become the best version of ourselves. Absolutely. Right? That's Good. a great line. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah. Anyway, um, that we're offered life, yeah. but we have this tendency toward self-destruction. Um, so doesn't it make sense to surrender ourselves to one, a God of love who loves mm-hmm. us perfectly, who created yep. us, who knew us before the foundations of the world, who knit us in our mother's womb, who built us for a relationship with him, who built us built us in his own image, yes. which we have marred right. by our sin, our selfish sure. self-determination, uh, where we're making up our own truth and we're blowing ourselves up. Yeah. Well, let's come back like the prodigal son did. Uh, I think if you go to Luke 15, you'll find probably Jesus' favorite parable, yeah. uh, which is all of us, including myself, yes. where you kind of... you. You think, well, I'll take my inheritance. I'll go run off and have the best time possible because I'll call my own shots and no one's going to tell me what to do. Uh, and Father, I wish you were dead, so just give me my inheritance and on away I go. And he did. And he did what you could expect. He ran himself into the ground. And then he had the wake-up call. Uh, he realized, boy, I've messed this up. I really don't know what I'm doing. And sometimes we have to hit that wall. I did. In 2002, I hit that wall. Sure. And it was a, a come-to-Jesus moment. Amen. And you, you come back to the Father, humble, contrite, surrendered. Yes. Repentant. Yes. And then you come back to the Father on his terms. Yes. Because you've got to move back to him. He's waiting. Yeah. He's going to run in and embrace you. Any small movement you make toward him, he will reciprocate, and he'll get you the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. But he'll put the ring on your finger, the sandals on your feet. They'll yeah. have the, <laughs> you'll have the party. It's the homecoming. Yes. And what's not to love about that? It's just that some of us just don't get it until we, we hit the wall. It, yeah. Oh, and, Father, let is. me ask you this, because yeah. you've been a priest, you meet, yeah. meet with people. Is it, isn't it fair to say that many people have not had the gospel as clearly taught as you just taught that, and they somehow get this false impression that everybody's going to be saved. Yes. But that's not what a biblical, it's just the, a biblical version says just the opposite. Right, right. And so how do we communicate the urgency that people need to repent and believe in the gospel rather than, 
what I consider a lowering of the bar, meaning, yeah. hey, everybody's going to be safe, so don't worry about your moral life because, right. you know what, you're going to get to heaven whether you you uh, commit mortal sin or not. Yeah, it's automatic pilot. Yeah. I'm okay, you're okay. Yeah, that kind of thing. We've been, yeah. We, we grew uh, up with that, We've Father. been formed with that thinking. Yes. Uh, and it's not biblical thinking. No, it's not. Uh, it's it's definitely not, it's not the church's teaching. No. But I think there, there's this sort of this... Uh, homogenization that's going on that's trying to melt everything down to the lowest common denominator. Right. And it's like, well, that religion, this religion, the Christian religion, they all kind of go toward God, don't yeah. they? Uh-uh. No. I mean, you can find good in all of those of things. Of course. This I, is, I'm not demeaning That's anybody. our church teaching. Right. But at the end of the day, who is the one that has right. come to us and revealed the Father? It's the Son. No one comes to the Father but through the Son. Amen. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, yes. as he told Philip. That's right. Um, uh, you know, he says things that only God would say. Your sins are forgiven. Yes. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Yes. Uh, I mean, think, Lazarus, come forth. I mean, uh, he does things that only God can do. Yeah. So that's why Christianity is unlike anything else. Yes. Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, none of them said, I'm God or, uh, you know, love me above all of your you know, right. mother, your father, your son and daughter. No one ever said stuff like that but Jesus. Amen. And so he rose from the dead to prove his credentials. That's right. So, And that's a historical fact. That is, Father. Yep. I love where you're going. Bishop Sheen has a talk on line up the claimants. Hmm. And he lays it all out, what you just said. Yeah. And it's so important. I th- I'm convinced, Father Skip, that we really do need to challenge people about the meaning and purpose of life. Because... Our baby boomers, which we are part of the baby boomer age, many of them really haven't been evangelized in a way that makes them realize that life is short and eternity is forever. They're still asking the ultimate question, what's life about? And many of them are saying, well, I guess, you know, that old story, he who uh, has the most toys at the end of life wins. But you know what? That's fake. That's phony. Because people don't realize that at their exit interview, and it's all, nobody gets out alive last time I looked. You and I are going to die probably sooner than later because we're, we're at the uh, age where, you know, 10, 20 years from now, we're going to be in our 80s and 90s. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can't believe it. I, I still think of myself as a 25-year-old. I know, I get that. <laughs> but there's an expiration date on our lives. Yes. So here's my question to you. We only have a yeah. couple minutes, and I yeah. want to ask for a blessing, too. we got four minutes left. Okay. I want to wrap it up and say... What is the challenge? Mom and dad listening, you have, you have sons and daughters that aren't practicing the faith. Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, I, I end every show about Our Lady of Fatima saying that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Mm-hmm. I know St. Monica did it for St. Augustine, You're and right. I realize right. that's also a huge part, praying mm-hmm. for our loved ones to come back home. Right. What else would you recommend for mom and dad who have relatives that are not practicing the faith. Okay. Well, you hit the nail on the head with the first point, which is to pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in a spiritual battle. Yeah. You know, Ephesians six twelve and following. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got to do th- that yeah. first. But beyond um, dealing with the, the, the demonic that is trying to, you know, steal, kill, and destroy, yeah. Jesus said, um, we have to um, be preparing our own hearts and minds yes. for that opening that will come. And I think as we show love, generosity, kindness, and so on, uh, we have to prepare ourselves. First Peter 3.15. Be prepared to 
make a defense of the faith within you, but do it with kindness and respect and so on. Um, study, be ready, yeah. pray, be prayed up, as we'd say. Yeah. <laughs> um, and where you can affirm some kind of statement from what I'll call the ultra-difficult evangelization of the family mm-hmm. uh, for those that are not practicing the faith. If you're prayed up and you're listening and you're waiting for the conversation to turn on a point that you can agree with, I think you know we, we need you know, social justice in our world. Yeah. And it gets all tweaked out of shape. But you know, I agree with that point of sure. justice. I, we're on the same page. Yeah, especially the unborn. Oh, we, we're not. Uh, oh, we're not <laughs> that far away anymore. You plant the seed, or you water the seed with yeah. some. And I would t- learn the scriptures. Get yeah. something ready uh, to be able to go forward with that evangelization. At mm-hmm. some point. I'll just give you an. I know how's your time. Good, we're good. I'll give you an minutes. example with my own son Tommy, who's a practicing Catholic. Good. Um, now he wasn't always. Yeah. There was a time when he didn't want to hear about it. Yeah. Uh, he went to Chapman University here in Orange, and I remember we would meet. I, I was going to seminary. Yeah. But I talked to him about Jesus, and finally he said, "Dad, we're out on the beach somewhere out here. I don't want to hear about Jesus anymore. Stop it." I was like, "Okay." So I waited, but you know my life was a. It had to be at that point. It was a, it was a witness, and I kindly, I mean, I love my kid. I mean, yeah. and he knew it. One day he calls uh, we we uh, he calls me up and he goes, "Hey, Dad, you'll never guess what I'm doing for Lent." Oh, what? <laughs> I was like, "What? Yeah, you're right. I can't guess what you're doing for Lent. You even know about Lent?" He goes, <laughs> "He goes, yeah." I said, "No, I will tell me what you're doing." He said, "I'm going to go to daily mass." Wow, what a story! I, I mean, it just blew me away. That would blow you away. So anyway, there it is. Father, um, how about a blessing, a priestly blessing uh, for all of our listeners? Of course, of course. Heavenly Father, we, your children, come humbly before you, seeking your grace every day for every situation. You have given us all that we need. Uh, continue to cause us to draw close to you, that you may draw close to us. We pray. I pray for all the listeners out there. Uh, that they may be blessed with the grace of following you more closely to be a light and salt to this world. We ask your blessing upon them in Jesus' name, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Skip Thompson, thanks so much for joining and sharing your little testimony of how you came back to the Catholic Church yeah. and indeed become a Catholic priest. Amazing. It is amazing. It's amazing Thank grace. You, Jesus. <laughs> Don't forget, I said it earlier, Our Lady of Fatima's message, she said, Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. That's right. I don't care if you're four years old or 104. We all can unite our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ to help redeem the world. Check out First Colossians chapter one, and there it is. Redeem there it is. Suffering. God, this is bless you. God bless. You.